now. Welcome to Wake the Bear Radio with your host, Brandon Johnson, Chris Hurst, and Ron Powers. Another good night to Wake the Bear. Woohoo! Yes, definitely. It is. Very good night, although I'm a little under the weather today. I'm, uh, oh, man. Got the COVID today. Um, sporting the, the new COVID, so wow, got my ivermectin that. popped in me this morning and uh, ready to go, ready to go. So. Well, let me welcome everybody to uh, the, this is the 125th show Woo! Wake the Bear Radio, woohoo, yeah, and uh, yeah. I, I believe our title, we got some really good stuff coming on tonight, it's the Red Pills from the Red Square, and uh, yes. I'm Brandon Johnson, your co-host, and my other two co-hosts here, Ron Powers, Chris Hurst. We are excited to bring you news uh, from an awakened bear. The bear is California, and that bear is what is awoke, is awakened up. It is she is awake, and uh, you know we try to cover topics every week um, that that are going on specifically to California. We do a lot, of, also a lot about the United States and around the globe. Um, from the perspective of patriots and saints, we are both uh, believers in this country, but we're also believers in the Lord Jesus Christ um, in in the other way order. We, we trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and we also care about what happens in the country that he put us in. So we're Christians who think deeply, and we're Christians who are becoming patriots because we, we were, were learned, we've learned and learned that uh, you know caring for our country is important, and caring for our state is important, and being active. Um, it's interesting, you know, I actually went out uh, this week and, uh, did some, um, some, uh, precinct walking. And I told people, you know, I've never actually been involved in politics before my family has not but we feel like right now it's important for us to start speaking out and speaking up. And we're starting to see the corporate media stronghold be broken. And, uh, we're starting to see a lot of people questioning the narrative. And that was kind of going to be the name of our show question the narrative, but uh, we we chose Wake the Bear, which I think is a lot more fun. Um, but so we, you know, we're doing a lot here. Um, we're also doing some movie nights once a month. We got a movie night coming up on March second. Um, we're going to be showing the movie "The Letters to the American Church," the letter to the American Church by Eric Metaxas, and it was a book, and it was turned into a, a movie. He's a, a Eric Metaxas is a specialist, actually a expert on the life of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He did a biography and it was translated into German by his family, um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's family that, that lived on. And um, so we're going to be showing that film in, at Convergence. And the film is really just focused on showing the striking parallels between the weakness of the Lutheran church during the rise of the Third Reich and the weakness of the American church during the rise of what could probably be called the Fourth Reich and uh, how the church needs to wake up now before it's too late. So that's going to be shown on, uh, once again, Saturday night, March 2nd, 6.30 p.m. at Convergence. And uh, we're excited about that. We're excited about the show tonight. We've got some great topics to cover. Um, some of the topics we're going to be talking about, the the, the Putin-Tucker interview. Um, there's a There was a smackdown done by uh, Kevin Kiley on Gavin Newsom. Who some mm -hmm. people think is is a quiet who's quietly running for office for presidency without actually running. Um, then you've got the Herb report that came out, the election news about Nikki Haley, 
and the House Republicans, a big thing that they um, uh, did to this week that we want to talk about. So there's a lot of great topics to talk about tonight. We're excited um, to get into them. Um, before we do that, though, I want to say if you'd like to get a hold of us um, or, or see where um, all of our old shows are, you can find us at wakethebearradio.com, wakethebearradio.com. And all of our old shows are right there. You can see it scrolling on the screen. All of our old shows, all 124 of them. This will be the 125th. And you can. there's additional notes and links in some of them. All the links um, to our feeds are in the upper right-hand corner. If you go to the top of banner, you click on that. It'll take you to the link to all the feeds. And you can watch us on Rumble. You can watch us on CloudHub. Um, it, you know, maybe not YouTube because we got taken down. That's one of the, the, the red badges of courage in this day and age and censorship, corporate censorship doesn't want this truth to get out. Although they've kind of lost because uh, Elon Musk took over Twitter and all of the narratives, um, that the mega, uh, companies have controlled are now falling apart. But if you want to get a hold of us, um, myself, Ron, or Chris, you can get hold of any of us, any of us at um, uh, Brandon at wakethebearradio.com, Brandon at wakethebearradio.com, Chris yeah. with a K, K-R-I-S, at wakethebearradio.com, and Ron, R-O-N, at wakethebearradio.com. Email us. We'd love to hear from you. What did you like about our show? What didn't you like? What do you disagree with? Where were we off? You know, we want it, we want to have the discussion and debate. Uh, we know we're not perfect and we're trying to get better every day. So anyways, without much more, that's, that's the coming show here tonight. What, it, what's going on? Are you guys, you guys see that Super Bowl? <laughs> oh, I'm glad it's over. Uh, I watched the end of it. It was definitely uh very interesting. I mean, you know, the, the overtime, um, the third win, you know, and it, it made me start digging in because last year was a big deal. They had a, a guy they considered like a, a prophet or was in prophetic ministries, a guy named Bob Jones from Kansas city. And years ago he had prophesied that, you know, there would be a start of revival. Um, you know, when it, you know, the chiefs win the super bowl. And I, I can't remember. It was in 85 when he said that, but uh, you know, 1970 they had one. And then 50 years later, which is a Jubilee, you know, and it was interesting because 50 years later was 2020 and guess who they were playing against? 49. Wow. Uh, and they won. And, but what's really interesting is, is uh, you know, four years later, we're at 2024 and the same two teams play and they won again and they went into overtime. And so there's some just interesting things, you know, a lot of threes patterns, you know, who knows, who knows, just something I put on the back burner, you know, is this, is this part of the beginning? Uh, you know, in scriptures, uh, sometimes Jesus will say things three times or the Lord will say, uh, Yahweh will say things multiple times. And it's an emphasis, you know, Peter, feed my sheep, Peter, feed my sheep, Peter, sheep, feed my sheep. Or do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? You know, et cetera, et cetera. And so there's definitely some things. And, you know, I don't know. It is interesting that it's at 3333, you know, Al Davis uh, Avenue or, at, at, you know, way. I can't remember what the, the street name last part of it is but you know and i don't know if it's masonic or if it's you know a lot of times uh the masonic uses what the lord uses uh you know that was established just like all your satanists like they love 666 well where'd that come from right you know that came from a a uh, bible so anyway uh yeah it was an interesting game i i i thought it was uh I, I enjoyed it i don't normally spend that time i think a bit more of as a distraction but yeah i had to go to my neighbor's house because i don't have um 
TV, cable. So went over there and uh, I've been a 49er fan over the years, but haven't really watched much lately. And uh, so it, it was uh, tense and exciting, had potential. And obviously I was rooting for the Niners. Uh, I think the the play or the, the scene on the field that shocked me the most was when Travis Kelsey went over to coach Reed and it was, and, and he, he like pushed him, almost knocked him over, totally yeah. startled him. And I thought, what in the world that it was, um, you know, here's this man who's what 70 some years old, I'm sure, um, who was almost knocked off his feet um, by, by Kelsey and, or Travis Kelsey and, um, so that that was shocking, and uh, to me, I mean that that caught more attention than almost the game to me. I've never seen anything like that before. And then yeah. the poor guy who got injured by running on the field. I don't know. Oh, I know Achilles! That's the worst. He pulled. Oh my goodness! It just broke my heart. About you know, I was practically in tears over him, thinking he got so far, and oh. It's a nine-month minimum for for getting back to semi normal. Yeah. You know. What did well, he pop? He popped his ligament. His yeah, he, popped, he just walking around the field. Uh, Achilles. Dre uh, Greenlaw. Uh, Kurt as he ran out on the field. 49ers linebacker. Oh Bummer. man, that is. Yeah. Well, uh, there were some other things that came up. Um, you know, there was a lot of con there was a lot of really good ads. There was uh, a lot of controversy about the one ad that was put together by um, a, a Christian organization. You know, it was called the "He He Gets Us" ad, and there was some controversy on both sides about that ad. Um, I, and I can see both ways on it. You know, obviously, we do believe that God accepts and loves everybody just the way they are, but He also loves us too much to let us stay the way we are. You know, He He calls people, um, but there's a there's an act of repentance in there. Um, but you know, Jesus does care for Jesus does love every, you know, all people, every, every race, creed, color, background, every, you know, no matter what's been done to you or no matter what you've done, uh, Jesus is the answer and he's, and he loves and he, it's his kindness that draws us in. So I, I kind of see that that was the spirit of that. Um, some of the spirit of that ad, you know, he gets us, but it was having, you know, there was this little, there were scenes of like, um, people washing people's feet that you wouldn't see things like, you know, a white woman washing a woman who has had a headdress and washing her feet and another woman washing the feet of a, a woman outside of Planned Parenthood. And, you know, another, uh, you know, uh, I think it was an officer, a white officer washing the feet of a black guy. And it was kind of almost like um, they took all of the liberal narratives and kind of made them all like the person washing the foot of, you know, and then said the, the, the message was Jesus, Jesus didn't teach hate, um, which of course we all know that. I mean, there's nobody in the earth that thinks Jesus taught hate, but it was almost like an attack on Christians, like you Christians, you don't be hateful. And so people took a little bit of offense to it. You know, um, you can definitely love people and not, and you know, we, we need to love people, but it doesn't mean we agree with their life choices. So, and you know, of course you get dangerously close to that when you just love people you know, you know, regardless of where they come from and that's okay. But it's also like that, that kindness would then lead people to repentance. The Bible says, so, uh, you know, I was a little, I was a little, um, it felt kind of weird. Yeah. It was yeah. Conflicting. Yeah. And I think the message 
subtly was that that is your that's your position, Christians, um, to to stay stay low, which which we come in humbly, mm-hmm. yep. uh, but uh, we also come in uh, in the sense that uh, Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy, which means that we oppose evil, those yep. things that are doing evil, and so that I felt like it was this is your position and don't try and get out of anything outside of that would be out of line or wouldn't be in alignment with your faith leader, Jesus himself. And so you were mentioning that yet Jesus only washed the disciples feet once. Uh, He was, he was kind and loving, but his message was strong. And it was go and sin no more. And he opposed the Pharisees and the um, the Herodians, the religious and the political people very strongly uh, because they put heavy burdens on people. And so those things that uh, had death structures in them and poverty structures, enslavement structures, those were the type of things that he stood against. Yeah. Well, and it, you know, there, that wasn't just the only thing that, that was, that, you know, was happening there. Um, obviously the big, um, uh, Travis Kelsey and, and, uh, Taylor Swift, uh, relationship, but it's interesting, you know, you know, the NFL has a camera on her all the time. And it, this was kind of a bizarre thing that was going on up there in the box. She had a, a couple of musicians my daughter knows them she's like no dad they're they're bad those musicians are way into all kinds of dark stuff and this one particular has an upside down cross on and then, zoom in there you go yeah you can see and and this guy's doing some weird things with his hands and then she's got these doing these weird things with her her hands like almost like devil's heads right yeah and and they're yeah, in two, two or three of them were um are considered to be satanists you know out openly satan satanic and so these are like uh, her, her friend, you know, and and then what's going on right there is um, uh, they're 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 uh, drinking um, shots, and you can, I don't know if you can see the next one, but so it, I, it was just an interesting thing, you know. They're all up there, everybody's watching them, and she's hanging out with some of these people that are openly satanic, and then doing shots together, which you know. You know, a lot of people do shots at the at the at mm-hmm. the uh, football game, but it just seemed really bizarre and kind of kind of gross, kind of a not a really great example to the world. So yeah, and distracting. I mean, she's not. Yeah, yeah it's just kind of the the sub story that uh, it felt too like Travis Kelsey was. They were trying to give him the ball at the at the end of the game, like he was going to make uh, the winning touchdown, but that didn't quite um, quite happen. So anyway, it was, uh, the game was sadly, the Niners didn't win. Kansas city got another championship. Someone's got a lot of rings on their fingers. Yeah. Three. That's phenomenal. Like three wins, uh, three years, you know, of winning. I mean, there's very few quarterbacks that have ever done that. Joe Montana being one of them. So, you know, that, um, you know, the Patrick Mahomes is going to be in the hall of fame now for that. So very interesting. Well, okay, that's not the only thing that happened. I mean, let's get jump into some deep. I mean, there's some big, huge stuff going on right now. I mean, 
Tucker shocked the world and traveled to Moscow and interviewed Putin. Yeah. The only time, I mean, this is like, no one's interviewed him since the beginning of the war, right? So some people are saying this is probably one of the greatest interviews of our time, like Barbara Walters going to Cuba and interviewing Fidel Castro. Um, you know, it's interesting, too, how many of the liberal journalists' head ex heads exploded when this happened. It was like, oh, my gosh, this is so it's traitorous you know, for him to do this. And and I'm like, well, wait a second. They, you know, all these other journalists went and interviewed people to find out what they thought, what they think. And those were considered heroes. But Tucker's considered a traitor for it. And, I, you know, I just kind of think to myself that it's kind of, uh, you know, hypocritical. Um, I mean, we got a lot to talk about about this one. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, they were even going to do a bit. Oh, go on. No, you go ahead, Ron. Oh, they were even going to do a ban on travel in Europe uh, for Tucker. You know, I mean, that's how upset they were. You know, it's just, yeah, it was, I thought it was quite crazy. That is yeah. crazy. And he, he laid out why he did it. And I know Mike Wallace, who they've had a little back and forth before. Mike Wallace does not have anything good to say about Tucker. Uh, said that it was a um, softball interview that he didn't ask any hard questions and that uh, he didn't ask about freedom of speech and other human right violations. And, and Tucker's, you know, he was very clear why he went over there. That wasn't what he was doing. He said, my job was to give people a chance to see what, Putin was like to give him some basic questions and to allow him to speak as long as possible, just so he could begin to have a dialogue so that they could see his perspective. It wasn't to, um, you know, grind on him about what he wasn't doing. And so Tucker, um, he said that one of the reasons he went over there was because when he had first started setting up an interview, and I think it was over a year ago, Mm -hmm. uh, he found out he was being spied on by the NSA and the FBI. His texts were intercepted and they told him that he couldn't go on the basis of some something pretty illegitimate um, that Tucker said there was really clearly no justification for it. And he said, I'm I'm born in a free country and I'm going to continue to live as one who's free and do what free journalists do, which is trying to get information to their listeners and so uh, that's one of the reasons he went was because he wanted um, he wanted to let you know the the spy networks know you can't shut us down by fear and intimidation and censorship. And then he wanted he really wanted to know Putin what he was like and he wanted to understand about the war what was driving behind that from uh, Putin's point of view. Uh, since this war is basically resetting the world and it's um, gravely, it's really damaging our economy. And it's it's um, the loss of life has been pretty phenomenal. I think I heard a statistics of 350,000 Ukrainians. The average age of a soldier in Ukraine is 45 years old. So wow. that tells you that that the young ones have, uh, pretty much been wiped out in the in a lot of this war. So it's it's a tragedy. So um, Tucker wanted to hear why are we doing this? Why are you doing this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some good questions. Well, why don't we just go down chronologically? I mean, yeah, uh, you know, he 
he started the interview off and, and I really respected uh, Putin for saying this, you know, but he wanted to give a little bit of a background and a history. And he's like, you might find it boring, but he says, are you interested in a show? Or are you interested in a real serious talk? And of course, Tucker said, oh, well, the, the talk. He says, okay, let me go back a thousand years. <laughs> and then he went through the history of where Ukraine fit in or Kiev and, and all these um, areas where they fit in with the Russian people. And he really built up a big backdrop. And at first, Tucker was kind of like, oh, I thought right. he was just kind of filibustering or you know, just trying to fill. But then he says, I, I began to realize the need for it. And I saw the not the brilliance, but you know, the reasoning behind it. And he thought it was quite legit to start off that way. That was almost the first hour, the first mm -hmm. half. Mm -hmm. But it really created a groundwork. And it reminded me of the movie that we saw, Ukraine on Fire mm -hmm. by Igor Platonic. He um, and it was actually directed by Oliver Stone, but they go into the history and it just opened things up so much uh, for me. So I, I, I thought it was a good start right out the gate. So, yeah, it was really good. Um, I, I thought there, you know, he, he is building up the history going into it. He he said off the beginning, he said, you know, um, I, I interrupted him a few times and he was clearly annoyed with me interrupting him. But you know, I didn't see the relevance of the history until, until it went on for a little while. Um, and then, you know, the, the interview got really good. Um, there's some really great topics that he brought up. So um, he, they talked about Elon Musk, you know, being unstoppable. You know, he said, then, what, do you, what do you think about Elon Musk? He was, well, he's putting chips in people's brains already. It's clearly true that Elon Musk is unstoppable. And you want to want to reason with him about AI and about what he's doing because we want to make sure that there's some legal parameters around it from stopping from doing something destructive or dangerous um he you know he asked him you know said chuck schumer was talking about americans having this if we don't send more money then we're gonna have to send our own troops and our young young mm -hmm. men and women to fight in in ukraine against russia and he's like i don't know why you would do that i mean this your our land is right. clearly thousands of miles away from your sovereign borders and then he goes you know goes on to say you know we would have to fight you know to the to the end to defend our interest in that area there are neighbors there you don't get to choose your neighbors you know like we have to we have to work with china we have to work with people that are on our our, our you know on our left and right so it was clearly like putin was not it didn't seem like putin was trying to expand uh russia that it didn't come off that way he could be wrong maybe he's lying uh, what i just liked about it was the the, the courage that tucker had to say listen even if we don't agree and we don't like what the person says, or we think they're lying, we still need to hear what they say. So then we can actually understand where they're coming from. And I thought that was really great. Um, there was a section about Boris Johnson. I thought that was huge. He, he went, went through and explained that they actually had a peace agreement or completely intact. And it was already signed by, by Ukraine. But then Boris Johnson came over and talked um, um, the Ukrainian president Zelensky out of it. And the president Zelensky actually had given an account that that's why he st stopped the peace agreement and uh, started the, you know, and, and engaged in war is that Boris Johnson come talked him out of it. And it's a known thing you know, he was, he was like, Hey, I'm, I'm not making this up. Your, your own, your own media covered this truth, you know, and yeah. uh, the Israeli media covered it. Your media covered it. He said it. Zelensky said, that's the reason. So I'm just taking it at face value. Yeah, that's good. And he opened up, Tucker opened up with a question to, um, to Putin. He said, 
on February 24th, 2022, so that would have been two years ago, you addressed your country in a nationwide address when the conflict in Ukraine started. And you said that there were act that you were acting because you had come to the conclusion that the United States through NATO might initiate a quote, surprise attack on your country. And uh, so that was the beginning of the interview. So the NATO positioning was a really important part of this conversation that he had with Putin. And Putin went in and said that, um, that five times NATO pushed where they would have their troops, that originally they said, no, uh, the Ukraine, we won't do any, any um, NATO bases, any uh, NATO troops in Ukraine. Right. And over the years, uh, they just, uh, they, they kept pushing that. And uh, actually, uh, they totally went against what they said. And when I say they, that is the United States, who is the primary um voice of NATO. He went in to say, you know, Germany and uh, France, they had a voice, but they knew that the United States would silence their voice. So basically in the NATO decision-making, what the United States says basically goes. And so there's this muting of other voices in the EU that uh, really the America has had that culture of just kind of um, ignoring what other nations want. And so a lot of the conversation was about the NATO pushing to the borders. Mm -hmm. And so it was a real um, threat. He said there was a very real threat. Uh, And I I told them to stop. And I gave them warning after warning after warning. And uh, still they didn't listen. So it's a matter of the the Russians are very proud people. At some point, you have to defend your borders. And and Tucker said, I'm not defending Vladimir Putin, but this is what he is saying uh, to be the truth and his perception. And it's important to understand that it wasn't just an un, an arbitrary aggression that one day he had a bee in his bonnet and he decided that he was going to go and uh, attack Ukraine. It was all what was going on with the display of weaponry in NATO. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and one of these things he, he was talking about is it's like we he asked him a tough question. He said, Putin, you know, like you've been in, you know, in power for 24 years. Why didn't you make the case that Ukraine was part of, you know, Russia back when you first came, you know, started. And he, you know, why didn't you make the case then if it was, if it, if you see it as part of Russia and it, it doesn't seem like Putin is saying, I want to take over in all of Ukraine. I think he's saying, I want to stop the denazification. Would he use that word denazification right. of a Ukraine? Um, we know that um, our own, our own uh, House and Senate, our own Congress, designated uh, the the group there. That the, there was a group in there, and um, can't remember the name of that group, but they they are Nazis, and they were designated terrorists. Yeah, Azov. Yeah, the Azovs. They had actually killed twelve thousand people, um, twelve thousand civilians in some of the Russian speaking areas, and so it was it was almost like his hand was forced. You know, he had to defend these people. It was interesting because he brought up that there, uh, I don't know the names personally, but there were uh, Bodernia, Boderna and uh, Chichavich, and they, they led Nazi uprisings. And he says that the Ukrainians, 
they made these guys national heroes. They erected statues and, and they celebrated these men as heroes. And he says, you know, and, and I think Tucker kind of came back saying, you know, who really does that today? And, he, and then he brought up the example of um, Canada, that in Canada, there was an old, uh, an old SS army guy, you know, a, a Nazi oh. who uh, was there at this thing when, when uh, Zelensky visited uh, the parliament um, in, in Canada. And, you know, they all had a standing ovation. They were all clapping for this guy. And he says, this guy was a Nazi. And the whole place, every single person <coughs> stood up clapping and applauding. He said, these people are. So that was an example. And I think Tucker knew that was going to happen because he had that clip mm -hmm. um, rolled up, you know. And speaking mm -hmm. of clips, I do have a clip. Um, actually, when you kicked it off, Brandon, you had mentioned, you know, don't we have anything better to do, the U.S., uh, than to fight, you know, way over thousands of miles away. And um, here, I just want to show that because it really rang pretty loud when I when I when I saw that clip. I'm like, yeah. So let me just play it real quick. It says. One of uh, our senior United States senators from the state of New York, Chuck Schumer, said yesterday, I believe, that we have to continue to fund the Ukrainian effort or U.S. soldiers, citizens could wind up fighting there. How do you assess that? This is a provocation and a cheap provocation at that. I do not understand why American soldiers should fight in Ukraine. There are mercenaries from the United States there. The bigger number of mercenaries comes from Poland, with mercenaries from the United States in second place and mercenaries from Georgia in third place. Well, if somebody has the desire to send regular troops, that would certainly bring humanity to the brink of very serious global conflict. This is obvious. Do the United States need this? What for? Thousands of miles away from your national territory. Don't you have anything better to do? You have issues on the border, issues with migration, issues with the national debt, more than $33 trillion. You have nothing better to do, so you should fight in Ukraine? Yeah, very interesting. I, I mean, it was, I, I thought he hit the nail on the head there, you know. Do we have anything better? Why is it so important that we are over there? You know, and I just, um, you know, we broke, we broke all of our uh, agreements, our accord. I think it was 1991, you know, NATO promised they would not expand anywhere uh, eastward. Mm -hmm. You know, they gave up um, uh, East Germany, you know, and instead of having them received like, hey, you did a really good step. Let's work with you. We, we started to add pressure. He says, that's what we do. The U.S. adds pressure, pressure, pressure. They start mm -hmm. sanctioning. He's like, you know, I don't understand uh, why, you know, our weapon is the dollar. And so the whole world is on the dollar for trade. And he says, you know, 50% of our transactions with the rest of the world in trade is on the dollar. He says, now it's down to 13%. Yeah. And he's like, we didn't even do it. He says, it's it's the U.S. that sanctioned us, said you can't use our money and, and we're sanctioning you. And that only hurts the U.S. economy because it's one less thing there. It, 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 you know, it hurts everybody. Hurt Europe, 
you know, and they think they're hurting uh, the Soviet Union, but they do have, you know, quite a bit of resources. Um, you know, they were the number one. They are right now, even with the sanctions, the number one uh, business exporter into Europe, even with the sanctions. So it's a big, they, they got a big market there. And so, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. You're, we're only hurting ourselves. Yeah. And do you remember when um, the pictures on the news were being shown of the Russian troops approaching Kiev? He explained what was going on. They were there. They kind of came close to Kiev. And then there was a pulling back. And he, he, he talked about that, that um, when that was part of that uh, agreement that that um, if they were to pull back, that uh, they could come up with some negotiations. Uh, and immediately, as soon as they pulled back, that the Ukrainian negotiators kind of threw all the agreements. He, he kept saying in the bin, in the garbage. In the bin, and yeah. uh, they got prepared for a longer standing armed confrontation. So there the Russians were in a very advantageous place. And they kind of said, well, we want to do some uh, document signing and we'd like to make some peace treaties. They were ready to do some negotiations. And uh, so a lot of the, the counterparts in France and Germany um, were influenced. And obviously our American CIA was part of that. And that's very close to the time that the, um, the Nordstrom pipeline blew up. So there, there was just a lot of bait and switch and lying and deception. It appears that that's what Putin is saying. And so he's very reluctant right now to stop to do any sort of negotiations because of the, uh, the line and the underhanded treatment that he's gotten. Although he said, I certainly do not want to continue the war. I don't want to expand into Poland. I don't. I don't need Poland. And so it's a time where uh, really if there are reasonable leaders, and I think that's what Tucker was trying to go to, is this a partisan thing? If there were a different leader in the land, would you negotiate? And he really didn't say yes. You know, it's just like your leaders aren't really in control. That was yeah. his assessment. You, you don't understand the the president basically was saying this, the institutions are, are running this game, not the leaders. So yeah, that's what I got letter, from that. Yeah. The three letter agencies. Yeah. And so, you know, he did talk about the, in 2014, there was a coup on the uh, Ukraine on fire talks about that. The film Ukraine on fire, check it out on, on, uh, you can watch it online, um, but there was a coup, the Maidan coup. There was a massacre that happened there. There was a, a, a democratically elected pro-Russian president, and he was overthrown. And and he's in. And Tucker asked him, "But well, who backed that?" He said, "Well, the CIA, of course. That's who backed it. This coup." And so, um, so you know, it's, it's pointing out that you know the regime change that America has done all over the world that that that, that was happening there. You know the demands for them to relinquish Crimea not not a good idea. They're not going to do that. Um, I, I got the feeling that Putin really would negotiate peace if they would just open up the negotiations. He, I mean, Tucker asked him straight up, "Hey, when's the last time you talked to President Biden?" He's like, "I don't know. It's been a long time." 
like you don't remember you know this guy's basically funding a war against you. he says i have to remember everything i got other things on my plate too and he just basically said you know i haven't talked to him since the beginning of the war now we do know that he talked to him before the war started and he called there was a call where they talked and he said can you just give me an assurance that ukraine won't be let into nato and he said i can't give you that assurance and then then it was like the next week that week they and they invaded yeah. so you know he, 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 if he's lying he's very consistent in his lies because yeah. he said from the very beginning you know this is what we wanted this is what we hoped for it didn't happen then i was given you know some assurances by the president of the united states both you know reagan and others and then we were given assurances by um clinton and then they came back later and said oh no we can't we can't bring you into nato or work with you and it, it just he said you know they, he was rebuffed by the west over and over again and it sounded like he was a bit wounded by the rejection of the west mm-hmm. and it was almost like um in my opinion it, they, they decided well we still need a boogeyman uh, we need to advance nato into mul- multiple countries because then they have to buy nato weapons and nato weapons are you know western you know machinery you know, five, five, six NATO, you know, we have to buy the bullets from NATO, you know, like, so it, be, it became a machine. It's a, it's a, a financial machine. And that's of course, one of the things that people are upset about with Hillary, um, with uh, Nikki Haley is that they're concerned that she's one of the benefactors of this, this NATO, you know, military machine in the you know, military industrial complex. So, I mean, there was a great interview. There was so much more to it. I mean, you guys want to talk about any more about it? Yeah, I, I think he did lay a very clear pattern if you want to end this war. And I, I thought it was uh, good he, right here. Just less than a minute. Okay. Uh, sorry, let me turn the volume. I will tell you what we are saying on this matter and what we are conveying to the U.S. leadership. If you really want to stop fighting, you need to stop supplying weapons. It will be over within a few weeks. That's it. And then we can agree on some terms. Before you do that, stop. What's easier? Why would I call him? What should I talk to him about? Or beg him for what? And, and what messages do you get back? You're going to deliver such and such weapons to Ukraine? Oh, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Please don't. What is I thought that was kind of funny, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, he, I thought he laid it out really clear, stop mm-hmm. supplying the, the weapons. And I, I get it. Maybe that, so I can wipe out, uh, you know, Ukraine, I, you know, maybe that's what he's saying there, but I, I think he's just saying, Hey, look, you've escalated this to the point where if I back down, you're going to really do some damage to me now because you've got mm-hmm. all these weapons coming weapons that they didn't have. And so you're escalating this war. And uh, you're forcing me to continue to fight and stay on top of things, blow that stuff up soon as it comes in, you know, before it's even fully trained and operated, you know. And so I thought it was a good solution. And, uh, you know, I think he was, it was a, I don't know, I was impressed with it. And, and then the one uh, part where he talked about uh, the Nord Stream, you know, um, Tucker just comes out. So who blew up Nord Stream? And he goes, well, you guys, of course, you're, you, of course. <laughs> Tucker's like, I was, Tucker's like I was busy that day. Yeah, but thank you, you know? He's like, you may have an alibi, but the CIA does not. And he says, what I'm looking for, <coughs> excuse me, is not only the, the desire to do it. There's a lot of people who have the desire, but the means to pull it off, to go to the bottom of the Baltic Sea to do such an operation. You need those two to figure out who did it. 
and, he, and you know, basically he's saying, hey, you know, I know who did it. And uh, so, but he was very clear about it, CIA. Yeah. yeah. Well, he said to him, well, if you know, if you have evidence that he did, they did it, then why don't you just give that evidence? And he's like, listen, if he said, well, wouldn't you, wouldn't you win a propaganda war? He says in the area of propaganda, it is neither financially beneficial and there's no way you're going to win to beat America in the propaganda. So he's like, not why try We put out the truth and if, you know, we can't make people believe it. That's so, right. yeah, he said that they own the they own the uh the propaganda uh, and even of europe most of europe's propaganda is owned by american interest and companies yeah. and because of that they own the propaganda so it's a it's a fruitless war for him yeah that that it whoever gets the spin gets gets to put their slant on it and it's interesting so there were quite a few uh hits on x to listen to this interview and on Tucker's website. Did you see the numbers? Wow. Tell us the numbers. 150 yeah, million views on X. And that was just in the tw first 24 hours and 120 million on Tucker's website. So it was over 270 and I'm sure it's wow. gone up since then. And, and so the news is getting out because that's certainly less than the mainstream media uh, viewership that would be watching the other thing that was interesting that was while Tucker was in Moscow, he also met with the NSA whistleblower, Edward Snowden. And wow. Snowden, uh, we know, is in Moscow. And he didn't say if he he did a interview and taped it. He also um, met with Joe Biden's accuser that, that uh, she accused Joe Biden of rape. And her name was Tara Reid. And so there's a possibility that he did an interview with her also. I mean, I'm sure he used his time very well. And so th this may not be the last of the Moscow interviews that Tucker uh, puts out. Hey, I'm in the neighborhood. Can I stop <laughs> by and interview you? Yeah. I, you know, it, it is just, I, I see it, the hand of God on this. I mean, as far as truth getting out. So many people are listening to Tucker Carlson right now. And I, I just was really impressed by those numbers. They are, they dwarf anything even remotely near, you know, CNN is nowhere near and MSNBC and all that. So I I'm, I've been really encouraged because it's not that he is a better marketer. That's not it. People have decided this is more truth. This is not truth. True. You know, CNN yeah. is not, they're a bunch of liars and and, and it's, it's turned and people just don't want to even give them the time, even the clicks anymore. So mm -hmm. I, I really encourage that as a message that is loud and clear. Yeah. And I want to just say, you know, none of us here are pro Putin or pro communism or pro Russia. Okay. We're, we're pro people not dying. Okay. Uh, since the beginning of this war, actually, some of the numbers are now up to 450,000 men in Ukraine have died to fight wow. this war where they simply could have just sat down and talked. Yeah. And as a Christian man, I think that sitting down and talking is way better than murder and killing and war. And so, you know, even if somebody has ulterior motives and they're lying or not telling the truth, at least hear what they have to say, where they're coming from, try to find some way to negotiate peace rather than only having one choice war, you know, you know, unlimited, you know, war. So, I think that's the key for this, this one. Yeah. Well, let's move on to some more, uh, pro, um,
topics. I think uh, that one is our main one, but I think there's a lot of other good things. This was an incredible week last week where a lot of victories happened. And that was one of them. Yeah, I, I think um, Kevin Kiley, uh, he just put down a serious smackdown on Kat, Gavin Newsom. Um, he posted it on X. Uh, I think it was even today. Um, Gavin Newsom, he says, in, in, the, in, the, in the words of John Fetterman, Gavin Newsom is running for president now. Right now, but he doesn't have the guts to announce that he's running for president. Uh, he is thereby avoiding the standard of vetting process that Americans deserve to know some of the basic facts about his governorship. For instance, California has never lost population before Newsom became governor. But since uh, Newsom led uh, California, there's been four straight years of U-Haul departure per capita, the highest U-Haul departures per capita. So... Um, that's a big one. He also said that California has a record $68 billion deficit while the other states have a surplus. Newsom is proposing cuts for foster care kids while still offering free health coverage to undocumented immigrants. So yeah. there's, and this is some of his stuff on, um, on X. You can check yeah, it out. There's serious allegations that Kevin Kiley, uh, and he got married. Kevin Kiley got married. He's, uh, a uh, congressman from the gold country up by Folsom Dam up, up near uh, just north and east of Sacramento. He is uh, he is keeping the reality of who is Gavin Newsom. Uh, Kevin Kiley led the, the recall effort for Gavin Newsom and wrote a book about him. So he has a lot to say. And so just knowing that the the track record of Newsom needs to come out. Yes. And as Californians, you know, we have suffered a lot under Newsom. We continue to suffer. He has written so many bad laws and so much, um, so much, he's added so many debts and problems to our economy. Yeah. In fact, here's a, here's just a basic um, list of the, the, the actual laws that he signed into into Cong or into California state law, Gavin Newsom signed the law. He removed uh, SB two seventy six, removed all functional exemptions, um, and went after doctors that gave public health power um, to add vaccines to the schedule without legislation. So the they all of these they added the vaccines, the COVID vaccine, COVID jabs, to the um, to SB two seven six added that without any discussion or debate just put it in there um here's a couple another one sb 132 allows men to be transferred into women's prisons if they self-identify as a woman with zero guardrails so just purely saying you are a woman he created a loophole for sex offenders not having to register he emancipates 12 year olds and allows them to run away from their home and check into residential shelter under the state with no parental notification ab665 he uh, sanctifies child mutilation. This is my. This one makes me really angry. Uh, sanctifies child mutilation and sterilization, allowing for children from any state to come here and get gender affirming treatment, and will not honor custody agreements. So, like you, you know, if a parent, two two different parents have a disagreement about a, a boy pretending to be a, a a girl, and he wants to cut off his genitals, or you know, then if one of the parents says yes, then they let him come here and do it, and. There are doctors making millions and millions of dollars yeah. on doing gender affirming, which is basically transitioning minors or children, cutting off their genitals, children. Yeah. Uh, this is being done to, and this is 
this is your guy who wants to run for president, but he doesn't want to actually announce it because they want to like let the ship go down with Biden and then stick this guy in last minute so you don't have a chance to vet him. So Kevin Kiley, yeah, yeah. he's doing a good job of bringing all this stuff up. A couple other ones. Um, remove the, the power of the local school board regarding books, curriculum, and policies given to the power to the state. Now, this is statism. This is evil. Uh, yeah. If parents find it inappropriate sexual material in a school, they cannot petition or remove it, those books from without state approval. So the state, and when I've seen this happen, you know, the state mandated uh, raising of the gay flag at all of the schools in June. And so we went in and petitioned, hey, we don't want to have the gay flag on the same pole as the American flag. Please don't do that. And they said, well, we can't go against the state. They all, they've mandated it, and all the schools in Santa Cruz County have decided to do it. So... You know, it's just all and this. And this is stuff about like inappropriate sexual material in the school schools. So this is I mean, this guy is clearly against parents rights. He's clearly for debauchery and destruction of families and children. And he you know, now he wants to add like 20 million dollars into funding uh, homelessness, you know, stopping homelessness, which he had already said 10 years ago wow. he was going to do and he never done it. And it's gotten worse every year in the last 10 years. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he wants to spend billions to do it because now it's out of control. And and just talking about schools, don't forget California has the lowest literacy rate in the entire nation. And so uh, there are 800 California schools that 75% of their students are not reading at grade level. So there is uh, there's quantifiable evidence and data to say don't let this man um, govern your yeah. your country, much less your state. And so, you know, I would speak to the Democrats. Look at the track record before you choose a candidate, because we know they have to choose a new candidate. I mean, look at what's been rolling out with the her her report. Did you see? Um, it's Robert Her, the special the special um, prosecutor for the DOJ released his report about Biden's uh, having all the unclassified documents that he's had since he was a senator and then vice president. And I mean classified. Yeah, yeah, unclassified documents. They're classified. Did I say unclassified? So, so that report came out, and it was rather stunning what they found. <laughs> I like this one. Man ruled too senile to stand trial, but fine to run the country. That's your Babylon, Babylon B. Uh, but yeah, basically he was, it was proven that he, while he was vice president, took classified documents into his house knowingly and willingly, but they're saying that we won't prosecute him because he's just too old and senile. He's just a sweet old man who doesn't have a very good memory. Can't remember when his son died. Can't remember when he was president. Can't remember the name of people of certain countries and, and can't, he's getting states and countries wrong. Um, borders wrong, so we won't prosecute him. So we're not going to prosecute him. Yeah. So that report just came out last, uh, late last week, and and as it's been coming out, and people have been reading it, uh, basically the uh, prosecutor said, "I am not going to move forth. I am executing prosecution, prosecutorial discretion, and not charging him with any crime." Uh, and yet when the, the White House press secretary holds a press conference and they say, hey, uh, why is this man still having control of our nuclear codes? They say, look, that 
that report is um, egregious and it's uh, not accurate and it's inflammatory. And uh, so there's a back and forth, but it was the, the DOJ of the Biden administration that came to this conclusion. And mm-hmm. so uh, one of the things that they, they said is he had to have stolen the documents when he was a senator because they would have been in the Senate skiff at that time. And so he would have had to knowingly, you know, you don't just accidentally walk out with documents and that these documents were shown to come out at the same time that Hunter secured the Burisma funding in Ukraine. And so there was a lot of time association when he was Senator and vice president, when these documents were available to people who should not be being seen. And then they showed these kind of crumpled up broken boxes that they were being kept in. And also they were available at Pennsylvania, Penn State, where Chinese agents could have uh, accessibility to them because uh, they were, were not secured well there. Yeah. He's just a liar. You know, it's interesting. A last, uh, this week, earlier this week, I saw something on X, and I can't find it now. It really is a bummer, where it showed young Biden, and someone challenged him, saying, and he says, are you challenging my intellect and my, my, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, I, I'm blank for words, you know, the smarts, uh, the IQ. Are you challenging my IQ? And he says, you know, I went to these schools. I, I graduated top of my class. I had these three degrees. And as he's saying all these things, it's just numbering off, bing, 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 lie, lie, lie number one, lie number two. It was like 15 lies in just one minute. This is when he was younger. And then they showed how the news covered it back then. And they're like, well, we did an investigation. And actually, Senator Biden actually didn't go to these schools at all. And and out of 86 people, he was number 75 in his class on this. And so he wasn't the top of his class. He was actually at the bottom. And they went down, down the line. Uh, and he just lied, just rambled off. In literally one minute, he had probably like 10 to 15 lies. And it was just, you know, and a leopard doesn't change his spots, apparently. And so it was a very interesting, very telling. Uh, I just wish I could find it. I, I had not known this person that had done that, but it was all old footage. Yeah, so and- it's, it looks like Congress, is some, especially the Republicans in Congress, but there is bipartisan movement of both how um, both sides of the aisle uh, to move towards um, asking for the 25th Amendment. And if you remember, the 25th Amendment was uh, it was ratified after President Kennedy was assassinated. And it basically lays out how do you replace the president in the event of death or removal or resignation or incapacitation. And then uh, when January 6 happened, they were trying to use the 25th Amendment against Trump, the the Democrats, including obviously majority leader in the Senate, uh, Chuck Schumer, was saying that Trump, uh, he shouldn't be able to hold office. He was unfit because he was questioning the election results. I mean, that was the basis of that argument. Pelosi said he was unfit because he would not, he slow walked marshalling resources to the Capitol on January 6th to stop the mob. And so he wasn't taking his duties of protecting the nation and securing the citizens and keeping them safe seriously. And then obviously 
time has rolled out, what is the truth about that, that he he had called 48 hours in advance and said, I've got guards, National Guards ready. And Pelosi uh, basically refused and the Capitol Police refused those those uh, guards, the National Guards, to keep the peace. And so yeah. that was precipitous towards getting January 6th to happen. So now the 25th Amendment, uh, at that time, Trump said, you know, this this is going to cause some problems if you want to bring up the 25th Amendment discussion back in in uh, January 7th, the day after January 6th, they were talking about it. While they didn't really have all the information as to what happened, they just had the footage of these the smoke bombs going off. They didn't realize that the smoke bombs went off because the the police, Capitol Police were firing into unarmed um, crowds. And uh, so that the, the media flashbang. perception grenades, flashbang yeah, grenades, it, yeah. it was uh, because it was kind of like a Kent state. And so Trump said, be careful what you wish for. And I believe that now what he he was referring to is the narrative is now against Biden that he is incompetent. Wow. Well, I hope I don't know my personal opinion. I hope the Republicans do not. Uh, vote them out. They should just let them suffer with them. Do you need to have a two-thirds majority? I, I don't think it's a half plus one. Is it? Yeah, I, de- I don't know what the... the I'm going to say probably a two-thirds at least because otherwise any majority, slim majority yeah. could oust out. And so it'd have to, you'd have to have some from both parties probably. Well, and they might get some recommendations. Uh, so what they're doing is basically they're, they're kind of giving Biden as cash... Patel would, he likes to use the term, they're going to give him the golden parachute. How do you get out? How do you find an off ramp without losing face so that they can bring in um, their new democratic candidate? And so that's really what the next two days, two weeks is going to be rolling out is how is this? So we're basically going to watch it play out in real time. Uh, Trump's been saying this would happen for a long time and people are offended. We're offended by it. But obviously what we're seeing right now is it is rolling up and the storyline is coming from both parties. It's coming from the mainstream media. They're trying to show, you know, ABC and CNN are showing his his debacles on camera. And um, basically the the White House, um, there was a a uh, interview with him at the as in the press uh, secretary and uh, the interviewer or the reporter asked Biden, how do you feel comfortable uh, if you can't remember so many important details? Um, are you having trouble with your memory? And he looked at the reporter, he said, yes, I'm having r- trouble with my memory because I, I called on you and basically <laughs> saying, I should have known that, uh, that you're going to ask me a hard question or I wouldn't have called on you. So they're, they're laying out this narrative and this storyline and we're going to see it play out. Yeah. And I, I think that what you're going to see is someone snuck sneak somebody in there who doesn't, doesn't get vetted, who doesn't get, doesn't do any debating, doesn't do any, and then they're just going to hope and then say, Oh, they're just so popular. They're just going to beat Trump so easily. And that's their plan. I mean, they're, they're pulling out everything they can, but this is the guy they're trying to just, you know, they've been propping up. Let me start by welcoming His Majesty, the King of Jordan. 
He's been a good friend. Abdul, welcome back to the White House, man. Welcome back. And by the way, Barack's looking at you in the corner over there. <laughs> That's a, so Barack is he's admitting that Barack is right there being involved in everything. Um, which, of course, we know he's probably in the basement and put the earpiece on say, don't say that. It, it's not OK. It's the, not Mexico. It's Egypt. You know, yeah. well, you can see how not a statesman he is. I mean, he, he says it's so good to have you back, man. I mean, this is the king of Jordan. And yeah. you saw the contrast when with Putin, who whether he's telling the truth or not, he knows diplomatically how to behave, and he's a statesman in his dignity and in his demeanor. But uh, welcome back to the White House, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the boring. arrogance. The arrogance. I am so powerful. I don't need to do those protocols. You know, it's kind of a Fetterman kind of a taste there. You know, just a, no respect for some of the protocols that we've always gone by for showing respect. You know. So yep. what else is going on? Okay. I know we have well, a couple of things as we're winding down more. We have the election House. news, Nikki Haley. Uh, you can go was, there. Uh, I, I was going to talk a bit about the House Republicans. Yeah, um, why didn't you do that? And I think then we can call it a night. Let me share with this. This is um, House Republican. I love this speech by the House Republicans. Oh, yeah, it's uh, good. It, it was really, really solid. I'm, I have it going too fast. I'm going to bring it down to normal speed. There we go. <laughs> Thank you guys for coming. It's an honor to be here. Thank you, Matt and Ms. Stefanik for leading on this. You know what I love about this? Watching uh, where President Trump is at in the polls. <laughs> I love it because it shows the American people don't trust you guys. And they shouldn't because you guys are full of it and everybody knows it. There's a few honest journalists in this town, but they're very few and far between. You know how I know it wasn't an insurrection? Because he hasn't been charged with insurrection. And we can all see by the lawfare how he's facing up over 700 years in jail right now, how they've tried to destroy this man, destroy his businesses, that if they felt they had an inkling of a chance of convicting President Trump of jaywalking or insurrection, they would absolutely charge him. You know how else I know it's not an insurrection? Because this is the first insurrection in the history of the world where the people that were a part of it were unarmed. Pretty hard to do if you walk around and see how many individuals are carrying firearms. These officers. Right. Yeah. Last thing I want to say about how I know it's not an insurrection is because I actually listened to the words of the president. If you're trying to stoke an insurrection, you don't tell the people listening, hey, I want you to go over there peacefully and patriotically. All right. This is not an insurrection. What it is, is a party. It's scared to death of this man because he's America first and he's shown time and time again, he's willing to bust up the swamp and he continues to beat you like a drum. That's what this is really about. And for all you journalists out there, you know, that are pretty cowardly shame on you. Some in this room right now, you don't have the, you don't have the balls to write the truth. And even if you did, your publishers wouldn't publish it because you're a part of a propaganda outlet. Probably one of the biggest in the history of the world. If you had any courage, I want I want some you to ask some questions about that day, January 6th, that we keep talking about. Why is the pipe bomber not been caught yet? Huh? Why is the pipe bomber not been caught? The one individual that could have committed multiple mass, mass casualties has not been caught yet. Go look at go go follow some of uh, BD's reporting over at Revolver News. He's got some uh, evidence for you guys. 
What's going on up here with January 6th is there's a pretty big cover-up actually going on up here in Capitol Hill about some of the involvement of our government. And uh, it's quite unsavory. And I want to acknowledge uh, Rep. Massey's work on this lately and others who have been trying to get to the bottom of it. But here's some other, here's some other questions for you journalists to ask. Why did it take so long for Ray Epps to be charged? Hmm? Mm -hmm. go, go watch videos of Ray Epps on that day and how he was stoking the entire thing and how long it took him to be charged. And yet there were so many people that were brought in, brought into the D.C. jail and they're still there to this day. So if you guys want to ask some questions, those are some questions. But the bottom line is we all know President Trump didn't did not commit insurrection. And he's probably going to be the president of the United States once again. Wow. Oh, good stuff. Uh, that yeah, that's awesome. People get and to then, hear that. And then check this out. This is an interesting thing. This came out and I didn't get a chance to vet this with you. But this guy um, who is running for office in Ohio is saying that he it was actually recruited to be one of the feds on that day. Listen to this guy. This is pretty phenomenal. to be your next congressman in Ohio's 2nd Congressional District. I'm about to share with you some information that I feel the American people deserves to know. It's not a video that I wanted to make at first. In fact, it's something that I still don't really want to have to share with you. However, I must say the American people deserve to know the truth, and therefore I am sharing this video with you. Four months ago when I decided to run for this office, I shared this with my campaign manager and our campaign consultants with hopes that they could, that it could be part of my platform. I wanted to tell the truth about what January 6th was. I wanted to tell the truth about our federal government. It was strongly advised that I not come public about that because it could hurt my campaign, it could hurt my polling numbers, and may cost me the election. More importantly, my base would possibly be upset with me with the fact that I'm about to share the information with you that I'm about to share. Many people have asked, is January 6th a setup? Were there undercover FBI agents or human assets inside the crowd of protesters at the Capitol on January 6th, 2021? And did those FBI agents or undercover human assets work to radicalize other protesters in order, in order to storm the Capitol? I can tell you 100% definitively, without a doubt, that there were indeed undercover human assets and plainclothes FBI agents inside the crowd on January 6, 2021. I know this because I was the member of a program and recruited by the FBI to take part in such events. I was recruited in 2017 to be part of the FBI's program known as Confidential Human Assets or what we call um, field operatives. Essentially, as a field operative, it is our job to infiltrate organizations that are radicalized, gather information and intelligence, find out their next moves, take that information to the FBI, then go back to these organizations, help plan out what these organizations are going to do, record that information, attend these events, attend these protests, and help radicalize them, help get their aggression pent up, make them more angry, make them more upset, so that way the aggression would turn uh, violent as a result of our antagonistic um, ways of, of angering these people. Now, you might wonder why, believe me, I mean, after all, this is a guy who's running for office. This is a person who has made national headlines before. 
When 2020 came around, I was deactivated. I was no longer a member of the program. However, in December of 2020, I was approached by a member of the FBI asking me if I was interested in being reactivated for an assignment in Washington, D.C. that would be taking place in January. Hmm. I now have since learned that that assignment that was being solicited to me was the Stop the Steal rally or what some has known as the January 6th insurrection. So when the people ask today, were there undercover FBI agents or confidential human assets working on behalf of the FBI inside the rally on Stop the Steal on January 6, 2021? I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to tell you that 100% truthfully, definitively, yes, that the FBI does indeed use confidential human informants and plainclothes FBI agents to infiltrate protesters, and that, in fact, they were present on January 6th. Wow. Yeah. I'm yeah, glad you used gun. Yeah, the the term again. I mean, it was uh, it was stop the steal rally, and uh, it it got so perverted by the the new labeling of the media as an insurrection that I had forgotten. That's right. It was called stop the steal. I, I mean, I was thinking of going, but I was in Sacramento instead, and so uh, that was a, a a good example of. Um, some eyewitness that came forward who's now uh, decided to run for office. He, he, enough is enough, he seems to be saying. so. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, in closing, I, I kind of wanted to reflect on something, you know, as far as the church and our responsibility. Uh, the church, I mean, individuals, individual Christians, what's our responsibility? Okay. And, you know, there's conflicting messages behind the pulpit that we hear. And, you know, I heard one this weekend that that really grieved me. It was, you know, it, it was talking about the things like, hey, we need to be known for service and love. And I get that. And there's definitely an element to that. But anybody that would get involved in politics is was instantly labeled as, oh, they're part of the problem, the hate, you know, the us, them, us, them. And there's a proper way of doing it. And there's an improper way. And when the improper way is the only thing that's being referred to, you really slander how to do it right. And, you know, and it was a, it was during a week where we had a lot of missionaries. It was a missionary week and they highlighted a, a missionary in India and he did all these wonderful things. You know, he helped get people, animals, cows, and they started growing, you know, and he helped them. And, and I thought that was good. But, you know, as it was done, uh, that, that sermon, I, uh, I went online to a search and I said, who is the greatest missionary to India? So I'd like to compare that, that person to, you know, a good missionary that I, I heard um, that was highlighted by this particular pastor. And it was William Carey. Now, a lot of people mm -hmm. heard of William Carey. He went to India in 1793 and he did more than just present the gospel, help at some hospitals. He literally transformed a nation and he transformed India. And he felt like part of the responsibility of the Christian was to disciple the nations. It wasn't just to lead people to Christ, but to disciple them. And he used the, the, the kingdom of God as that pattern to disciple after. This is how a nation should be. And there's so much in our Bibles about um, how to run a nation, you know. And so, you know, when you say death penalty, it doesn't mean you individually get offended and you can kill somebody. That's a different thing. You know, where to turn the other cheek, but there are rules and stuff. And so what he did, 
is he not only helped with the uh, the Christian, but he he noticed that the whole country was uh, abandoned to wild jungles and beasts and serpents, and and so he started a systematic survey of agriculture, and he he campaigned for agriculture reform. And so now people were understanding how to farm. And so that was one thing, supplying the food. He introduced the idea of savings banks because he wanted to fight the all perverse social evil of usury. And so people, you know, they never saved money. And so they were always at the beck and, uh, you know, they were, they were easy prey for those that wanted to charge excessive uh, interest and loaning. And so he, he introduced that. I thought that was great. That helped investments in industry, commerce, economic development and made economic development uh, possible. Yeah. Then he went into uh, the treatment of India's leprosy vi victims. They had leprosy back then still. And so what people would do is they would bury them alive or burn them alive because they believed that a violent death would purify the body on its way to reincarnation. Well, I think when you're there with leprosy on your arm, you probably don't really uh, become a big fan of that type of ideological thinking. Uh, being burned alive or buried alive. And I just thought being buried alive, how, how uh, just insanely scary that must be and tra traumatizing. But he ended that. And then also uh, the things how women were, uh, you know, treated. So they had a thing called widow burning. If you were a widow and your husband died, well, they had burned you along with them. So you could be, a, you know, you could be a very young woman, you know, married at 15 to a 65 year old, you know, because they did those sort of things. The next thing you know, you're getting burned. And so he pushed for 25 years in legislation to end widow burning. And to this day, they don't have it. It's because of William Carey. So he got involved in the politics. And that was part of showing the kingdom of God. And so I made that comparison in my mind that that's the way you do it. You do get involved in things wow. like economics involved in politics, not just presenting the gospel that Jesus loves you. That is a very core and importance, but it's not the whole picture. The whole picture is setting captives free and discipling nations into mm -hmm. what God would have done and through his mm -hmm. word. So anyway, I, I just wanted to reflect on that because sometimes we hear conflicting messages on a Sunday morning and we don't always catch it because it sounds really good at the time you hear it. Like, oh yeah, it's it's just about Jesus. Let's not get involved. Let's just focus in on the important things. And it's like, well, you don't have to be a us, them, I hate the other side, and call right. them names. You can do it like a Christian and love those people. That's love your good. opponent because you love them enough to show them the truth. And there's mm -hmm. a way of doing it without becoming that. And so a fair comparison would be somebody like William Carey. Anyway, wow. I just thought I would close with that personally. Um, you know, so any closing thoughts as we, uh, we go. Yeah, I think, I think, I think I agree with that. I mean, the reality is that, um, we're called to, to preach the gospel. That's the number one, most important thing. And the second most important thing is, is maintain the freedom and liberty to preach the gospel. And if Christians are not involved in our government, then the corrupt will be involved in the government. They will run the government and then they will use their power to, um, limit the preaching of truth. And I, and I would say, you know, in this late hour, if, you got pastors that are preaching from the pulpit. Don't get involved in politics while little girls' breasts are being cut off in school. Uh, yeah. a, you, you're going to be held accountable for that garbage. Of course, they're supposed to stand up. And if you're a pastor of a church and you're not saying, hey, we need to fight this, then you're basically telling everybody that goes to your church, as a model Christian, I think I shouldn't be involved in fighting this. So therefore, you shouldn't be involved. And guess what happens? The status quo happens. That happens under your watch in your city, 
and yep. and uh you know it's just as bad as or if bad or if not worse than than slavery happening in your city while you say nothing yeah so I, I don't know how you can say don't be involved in politics if there's evil going on and it's a political structure that's creating that evil. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I think that's a great note to, to end on. It's a great message. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you for joining us uh, this evening. It was a pleasure to uh, do another uh, Wake the Bear radio and we look forward to next week. I'm sure a lot will happen between now and then. And so stay tuned, like us, share us with friends. Yeah. Uh, help get the word out. We would appreciate it. Thank you very Come much. Come see us at Convergence. We're going to show that movie, Letters for the American Church at Convergence. Uh, yes, March 2nd, Saturday night. Come and check it yes. out. Good night.